Hello and welcome to the Not The Top 20 podcast. It's also the Not The Top 20 Christmas party. My name's Ali Maxwell. I've got George Ellick alongside me. And George, uh, we're killing two birds with one stone here. We are very much toasting uh, um, a busy year and a very, very fun year. Yeah, mate, it's, uh, it's good to be here. Um, the beers are open. I think we can ask the listeners to en- enjoy the podcast with us. We've got three of them coming up, uh, going through the 1 to 24s again. Um, looking forward to all the angry replies from people when we say that their team is going to get relegated. Um, but we have no agenda and uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, pre-season, the 1 to 24 predictions, it's very, very difficult. And there are many that we made that will end up looking very stupid. And there are some that we made that might end up making us look at least half informed. So this is a uh, a way of redressing the balance and trying to, to get even closer to the final league table. So we hope you enjoy this podcast. This is the championship version. Of course, we'll be doing the same for League One and League Two. Uh, we're doing this first. So see if you can track our descent into Christmas party chaos. Um, but on a general note, thank you so much for listening throughout 2018. And hopefully uh, these podcasts over the Christmas period uh, when uh, when you need maybe a couple of hours away from the stresses and strains of family Christmas uh, might be something enjoyable for you. So we're going to start at the bottom. We're going to go from 24th to 1st in the championship. It's never nice to start on a negative note, but we get progressively more positive. And George, 24th in the championship, uh, 2018-19, we are choosing Bolton Wanderers. I feel like... It's not for the first time we've done something like this. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to be positive about anything about Bolton at the moment. Um, The beginning of the season was obviously very good. We got a couple of tweets from Bolton fans asking us if we thought they could mount a promotion push. Um, We were quite quick to say no. Um, Since then, it's just gone from bad. I mean, it's gone from good to bad. And, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're on a horrible run of form. They can't really score goals. And um, they're on 18 points currently after 23 games, only four wins. I'd be pretty amazed if they doubled that tally of four wins um, and they're going to have to do so to stay up. So there are a few bad teams in the league, which we're going to come on to. Um, but at the moment, I, I feel like Bolton, are, you know, they're in a fourth position in 23rd because of that start. So um, so yeah, pretty pretty confident in, in, in saying that they should be bottom of the table. And, and I think you've tipped up to me off air a nice little bet on them to finish bottom as well. Yeah, you can get nine to four on them to finish bottom at the moment. Um, this is this was born out of some of the messages we got after the Brentford Bolton game, uh, which was yesterday. And I think in general on these predictions, we're going to try not to overreact to uh, recent games and necessarily recent form as well to an extent. So we're trying not to overreact to that. But uh, it's not just the Brentford fans who were there yesterday. It's other fans that we've heard from. It's Bolton fans themselves who over the last few games, over the last six to eight weeks, have seen a a real descent, a decline in performance levels, uh, a level that wasn't particularly high to start with. So um, uh, Ipswich, the current bottom club and favourites to finish bottom. But we do think it will be Bolton come May, just like we did uh, back in August. So uh, that won't always be the case, but in terms of comparing our our August pre-season predictions with our December mid-season predictions, Bolton at 24th is a, a common ground for us. Yeah, next up, it is uh, the team currently occupying 24th position in Ipswich Town. Resurgent Ipswich, it's probably fair to say. No, uh, it's not. No? I would not call Ipswich resurgent right now. I think given they've got four points in the last two games. Right. 
That's a very small sample size. It is very small. I mean, uh, yeah, fine. I mean, we're, we're, slightly better Ipswich, I'll go with. Yeah, fine. And I'm not even convinced they are slightly better either. Um, <laughs> having watched the highlights of the game yesterday, they were lucky to get the draw against Sheffield United. Um, I tipped it up on the betting show for Sheffield United to win, and so no surprise there that it was an unlucky loser. Um, but it, it's hard to be positive, really. They're, they're, they're you know four points off 21st spot now. Um, Paul Lambert has obviously injected something into Ipswich but at the same time they do look short on quality Yeah, and uh, despite the four points picked up in the last two games uh, yeah I, I'm not really buying but it we're at that stage of the season where for many teams there's well not for every team but for a lot of teams there's a lot of importance being put on January transfer business I think we're more or less together in agreeing that that is just not ideal not, not ideal clearly to be at the point where you feel like you need three, four, five improvement to the squad, but also not ideal in pure recruitment terms in being able to actually get those players um, for a price that is negotiable, for a price that you can afford if you're a team like Ipswich to actually get players who come in and can contribute in an intensely positive way to the last three, four months of the season. I know that the, the January transfer window is fetishised and there are examples of players coming in, but I think it is too much. I think there's I think people think it's too, it's more possible than it is, put it that yeah. way, and, and to get half a team in that will that will fire you to safety. But when you think as well that the, the owner has said he's, he's going to put the club up for sale. Well, he, he came he, out and denied that. It was reported in the Sun, he said, or the club said it's rubbish. But, you know, no it's, it's, it's not crazy to say that this is a man who has put in a lot of money into the club um, and it seems doesn't want to put any more into the club. I think yeah, that's yeah, definitely true. And, and when you think as well, he you know he supported uh, Paul Hurst in the, in the transfer window in the summer. Um, they spent fees on players. It hasn't worked out too well. So there's no reason to think or believe that they would double down really. Um, mm. So yeah, I agree. I, I think it's going to be very difficult to see Ipswich surviving. At the back, they've made mistakes consistently uh, in midfield. They are all right, but very, very young. Uh, and up front, they just haven't, at all found a way to be a, a consistent threat at this level. And I think it, it, despite the best efforts of Lambert, and I think he's had a, a positive impact um, to some extent, I do think it, it's just too big an ask for Ipswich to stay up entirely. There is a, a decent points gap between them and safety already, and uh, that's the worry here. Into 22nd, George, there's a, a couple of teams to choose from here. Mill will occupy this position at the moment. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday, we've spoken a lot uh, this season about the the how how poor they've been how porous especially uh, but it's not either of those teams that we're going for it's another old favourite of the pod <laughs> yeah it's Reading uh, I think the sacking of Clement wasn't a massive surprise they were very poor pretty much for his whole time at the club they were very lucky to stay up last season um, the new manager's been appointed um, we're going to speak about him now I know we, we know you are someone who knows a lot about Portuguese football what he thinks of him and it's fair to say that the report wasn't a glowing reference. We decided to get in touch with João Pedro Cordeiro, who is a, wow. a Portuguese football journalist nice. that we follow, who, who loves the EFL as well. And we asked him about uh, Jose Gomez, because he's been manager of Rio Ave in Portugal uh, since the start of the season and over the summer as well. And is obviously, as a Portuguese coach, someone that João knows about, even though he doesn't have much coaching pedigree in Portuguese football itself. Uh, and it's fair to say João Pedro wasn't 
particularly positive about it. Uh, he said he didn't start well this season, even though Rio Ave is sixth in the league. It's not a surprise. That's where they belong in terms of club size. So he's not underachieving. But he's certainly not overachieving. And then he said, actually, he could be underachieving, even though they have some interesting ideas with the ball, without the ball. They are borderline terrible. Uh, sixth in the table, but have the fourth worst defence in the league and the worst XG against in the league with almost two goals per game. Their goalkeeper has been their saviour over and over so Joao saying essentially in terms of defensive organisation um, Jose Gomez has not shown himself to be someone with, with a huge amount of influence so far on this Rio Ave side which doesn't uh, lend itself I don't think to a, a championship relegation battle uh, Tom Mortimer who's a Hungarian football expert uh, I asked him as well and, and, and Jose Gomez managed Videoton Vidi in Hungary who are one of the big sides in Hungary as well I asked him about Jose Gomez there at Vidi he says really poor, took over from Paolo Sosa at the winter break, initially did okay, but in his first full season he had a shocker, went out of Europe early after reaching the Europa League season before and then finished fourth next season, which for Vidi is awful. They won the league the season after he left. So these are, of course, just two opinions. Of course, uh, we don't have much physical Reading under Gomez football to go with at the moment, but just in terms of things that, that have been suggested to us. It's not something that we think is going to fly Reading out of the relegation zone. So they are very much our, our 22nd place team. And George, in 21st, it is Sheffield Wednesday. Despite sacking Josla Hukai, uh, you, I, don't think that this is going to suddenly spin them into a, a you know a, a surge towards mid-table, towards the top half. No, I mean, I, I don't really blame Hukai for their perils um, necessarily. I think it's, it's a pretty poor squad. It's a tired squad hasn't changed too much since the, the squad that got into the playoffs a couple of years ago but Forestieri's injury problems are massive um, as we've said a million times on the podcast Adam Reach will not score 20 yarders every weekend mm. um, Tom Lees is a player who I've rated for a long time who's having a poor season mm. um, it's it's hard to be positive and despite their again their decent start I think right now um, and you know they've got, got a big win on Saturday that they're looking very poor yeah not much to add there I mean they're We've said it before, they're, they're starting every game a goal or two behind and that seems silly to say off the back of a clean sheet against Preston but some mitigating circumstances in that game with the early red card and Sheffield Wednesday, make no mistake about this, were not impressive in that game, did not play good football. Of course, this is a club rocked by the, the recent departure of the manager um, and, and there was certainly effort, there was certainly application but there was very little quality and when you see the players on the pitch um, who, who are players that we recognise from the last five, ten years of EFL football, it, it does seem surprising. But from what we've actually seen from them on the pitch over the, eight, over the last 18 months, I don't think you can just you know, live off your name, live off your, your career so far. Um, and as we know, this is not a side we don't think that's going to um, have much to do in the, in the transfer window. It's going to be able to bolster the squad march. So we don't see things getting too much better. But just above the relegation zone, Sheffield Wednesday, and above them, uh, Millwall, again... Uh, it's hard to be positive about all of these teams and just because Millwall are out of the relegation zone I don't think it means that we're, we're going to be hugely positive about them it's, it's been a no, very disappointing start to the season I think we've seen consistently with, with Neil Harris's Millwall that they go on runs and right now they are definitely in the midst of what's quite a long losing streak or, mm. or a streak without picking up many points but it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them at some stage improve um, it's very much the same team as last season who, who you know pushed the playoffs quite hard as well so there's mm. enough quality there I think to get them out of the relegation zone, they're there at the moment. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll be surprised if they go down. But you know, the, the time of recording right now, 
they are looking very, very poor indeed. But I, th- I think they'll stick with the manager and there's, there's enough evidence to think that they'll be OK. And Rotherham above them, who are in 20th at the moment, we've got them in 19th. Recent performances, not always getting the results, but even in that West Brom game in which they lost 4-0, uh, we've got West Brom fans saying, you know, we were more clinical on the day and we showed our class, we've got better players than them, but hugely impressed with the way that they played. And that seems to be a bit of a theme. Yeah, it's the same old story with them. Um, they, they're consistently putting in good performances and not getting results. And, you know, people might get be concerned about that, but in my head, that means that the results will come if they carry on playing the way they are. Seem to have started to score more often, well, more often than the start of the season, which is not particularly hard to do, but um, just added more of a threat from open play and, and still a constant threat from set pieces as well. They missed a penalty against West Brom. Um, and, yeah, I, I just think, well, that... They were very, very unfashionable to start the season and they were almost an automatic pick for everyone to go down. Uh, and we said, actually, you know, this don't consider this to be the Rotherham side that we saw two years ago and, yeah. and um, so far being proven right. And it's hard to see them just needlessly getting much worse from here unless there was some sort of horrendous injury crisis. And, and it sounds bizarre to stick up for a team who've just been beaten 4-0 at home, but you know, their home form is very good as well. So uh, they have that to pull back on. Um, and as, as you mentioned, the performance against West Brom was, was half decent. Next up in 18th, we've got Hull City. Now, over the last nine games, it's five wins, three draws and just the one defeat for Hull. And they've very much extricated themselves from that relegation battle. They're now nine points above the relegation zone, or sorry, eight points above the relegation zone. And it's been on the pitch a very, very positive time. Of course, the fans still very much adamant about a change of ownership being uh, what's needed for the club. But in terms of Nigel Adkins and his team, you know, it's... You can't fault. It's a bit like QPR early in the season, isn't it? For a team that started the season so poorly, who appeared to be very much locked in a relegation battle, who on balance of play were uh, second best in the majority of their games, uh, that's actually now not the case. And I think you need to highlight teams that can turn things around in the middle of the season like this, because there are many teams that decide to change the manager or the manager loses the dressing room or the players just down tools. Uh, that's not been the case either for Adkins or for his squad and, and that's hugely impressive in many ways. Yeah, I mean, my one big concern for Hull is if Jared Byrne leaves in January. Mm. Um, he's being linked to a few clubs. Um, it would be surprising to see them reject those advances given their position at the moment, uh, wanting to capitalise with the money as well. And I think without him, they suddenly become a very dour team going forward. Um, you know, Fraser Campbell's obviously scoring goals at the moment, but I think you know, he, he's not making those goals. The, the creativity would be gone and uh, and that would be a massive concern. Oh, I suppose you could say the same about Grzycki, couldn't you? Yeah. Because uh, during the summer, it very much seemed like he would depart. Grzycki, the incredibly talented Polish winger, um, one of Poland's you know better national team players over the last few years and someone who, I think it's fair to say, wouldn't have envisaged himself in a championship relegation battle this season, but uh, for whatever reason didn't leave the club and, and to start the season not involved, uh, not involved with the first team uh, on match day and, and very much an elephant in the room. Now, it, it appears like for Grosicki and for the benefit of the club as well, there was an agreement made that he would get back into fitness, get back into form and start contributing to the team. And you have to wonder whether that was under the premise of, you know, we will not stand in your way if you can play yourself into form and get yourself yeah. a move away. So uh, by no means trying to sell these players for Hull, but it has to be a big concern for their fans. Um, Bowen and Grosicki, such a big part of the fact that Hull have gone from being uh, no attacking threat ultimately to a, a constant attacking threat that the opposition have to be genuinely wary of at all times and and that will be a fear for Hull but I think you know based on the positivity of the last two months or so we can be 
confident to say that they are not in in uh, a scrap for the bottom three, and that's uh, that's pleasing at least. Uh, in seventeenth, we got Wigan here. A, a funny one, this George. They, in my head, they started the season really, really positively. So it's almost a surprise to see them now uh, down in 19th in the table. Uh, slightly took me by surprise. Yeah, and me. Um, their away form is obviously woeful, uh, which is the key to it. Um, I, I didn't think they'd be as low as this before the season started. Um, I'm a big fan of Paul Cook and they've got talented players in their squad. So um, They've got enough talented players in their squad. Well, that's the question. I mean, I, I think so. I think you can't be... If you look at how dominant they were in League One last season... That quality does have to put you at a, at a higher level um, in the championship, but they're not really performing to that level at the moment. So it, it's hard to really see how they're going to progress. Um, it seems like maybe it's a season for consolidation, a season just to stay up and then and then kind of go again next season. Yeah, new ownership, of course, that took over after the start of the season. So a bit of, not turmoil, but changes certainly off the pitch. And they've been that interesting team, haven't they? You mentioned the away form there. There was such a... Uh, 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 a dichotomy between their home and their away form, and it's because I'm a cab today, thanks. Really nice. <laughs> because uh, because I'm an optimist, I tend to go, you know, oh, they've got that wonderful home form. If they can just improve the away form slightly, that'll take them into a top half team. But you're not thinking about the opposite, which is what if that home form slightly tails off, and that's what we've seen in the last few games for for Wigan. I know that their fans are slightly concerned. We've got them uh, shut uh, away from a relegation scrap but you know certainly not too far away and above them we got Brentford this is probably I think it's fair to say the first major removal the first major rethink from the pre-season predictions we had Brentford in, in third place uh, we, we've spoken about it many times on the Monday pod that uh, it becomes harder and harder to to remember those happy days and the positives that we found there um, but this is a Brentford side under a different manager who have undergone uh, a really, really difficult and traumatic time off the pitch and who are struggling very much on it. Uh, at the same time, 16th, George represents uh, a slight rise in the table. They're in 18th at the moment. Yeah, I think purely the quality of player they've got at their disposal. Um, the, the performances have been really poor since Frank took over and that's the big concern for me is that normally, I mean, we've seen this Brentford team um, give away a lot of winning positions, not convert uh, good performances into wins. Whereas now they're just not playing very well. They're not registering very well on the on the old XG data, especially going forward, which is a surprise. Um, so you've got to be worried, but at the same time, they've, they've got so much class in that team. Um, and if they keep hold of their players in January, you have to think that the results will improve enough to stave off relegation. Um, but Fascinating to see what they add in January, isn't it? I think that's exactly right. And I've said it before, I think they need to add some experience that doesn't really fit into the way that the club is, is run it's run to you know buy cheap sell high so buying... so when you say experience you mean uh, a, a, a British player in his late 20s who's played in the EFL for four, five, six plus years that sort of thing yeah I mean not necessarily British but sure. <laughs> someone who's kind of been there and done it um, someone who, who's won promotions and, and won leagues and it's got out of relegation scraps. Where do you get past. players who have won promotions and won leagues? How are you going to How are you going to buy them in January if you're Brentford? That's my That's my worry. Of course, I mean, it, it, I'm not saying it's easy, but but in terms of what they're looking for, they have to look for someone who, who's got that experience of winning. You look around the, the team at the moment; you've got a lot of guys who've never been in this position before, mm. and, and that's really difficult. Yeah, yeah. Brentford in 16th in our one to 24 re predictions, and above them in 15th. 
at Blackburn Rovers. So Blackburn currently in 14th. This is, again, not a huge removal from where they are. And I think this, uh, currently, as we move up the table, we're going to find this sort of bottleneck that we've got, don't we, George, from the, t the teams below what we consider to be the top two or three um, and, and this real sort of mid-table bottleneck where there are, it seemingly to me, unlimited amounts of teams who are very, very similar generally in terms of ability, in terms of, uh, of where we think they'll end up. So it really does get very, very bunched up and Blackburn at the bottom of the bunch really in 15th. Would 15th represent, do you think, a, a positive season for Blackburn? I mean, it's hard to be too positive, um, but it wouldn't be a bad season. Uh, I think, as we said with Wigan, it's a season of consolidation. Um, Tony Mowbray has, has certainly improved the club on the pitch. Um, whether they can keep hold of Bradley Dack is, is going to be interesting. Um, yeah. You'd think they'll keep him for January. Uh, I'd have thought he'll leave in the summer for a Premier League team. Um, but the, the form at the moment is troubling. That Their home form remains fairly good. Um, but it's hard to see them doing much better than mid-table. But as I say, I think after the, the few years they've had, um, you can't be too downbeat about, about, about a 14th place finish. Yeah. I th 15th place finish. It's a funny one, Blackburn, isn't it? They, they, they had uh, a disappointing home defeat yesterday. They, I suppose this is represented in, in, a, in a 15th, 16th place prediction. They are uh, never dominated. They, they don't look at all... Uh, out of place, out of depth in this league. They just seem to be um, a level or so below a consistent performer uh, to be pushing towards the top half. We've seen spells of maybe most games they've played in where they will have very, very strong spells where they'll look very, very good. It doesn't seem to be something they can keep up for the whole 90 minutes. And, uh, and perhaps that's not so surprising with the majority of the squad that came up from League One. I mean, the players that they signed in the summer, um, aside from Adam Armstrong, who came in, uh, on loan, they're not they're not contributors. They're not first team players and Rothwell and Davenport and players like that. So it's very much the same team from last year. I don't think there's anything wrong with giving those guys a, a shot at the championship. And it'd be interesting to see, uh, as we are very much assuming they'll stay up, um, where they, what they do in the summer to to try and take it to the next level uh, in the face of presumable interest for for their best player Bradley Dack. I, I'm going to say it early. I don't think he'll get a move to the Premier League. I think for me the most likely move will be a, a 12 million pound move to one of the relegated Premier League clubs I really reckon. or a, you know a, whoever is still in the league with parachute money I think will sign Bradley Dapp for 12 million quid I disagree I think he'll be playing Premier League football this time next year guess a, we, guess we, a club we can have a um, Saints okay nice something yeah. like that yeah I like it we'll right. have a uh, we'll have a, a bet off air yeah yeah Perfect. we will nice. 14th QPR They've flown up the table since a, a wobbly start of the season. They're in 10th at the moment. And the question is, could they mount a, a playoff challenge? We're saying no. We're saying just, you know, take a step oh, back. It, it's interesting. that They've won as many games as Borough this season, wow. QPR. Uh, only drawn the four. And after what was a terrible start to the season, you have to say that in the last six or eight weeks, they, they're you know in the top half of teams in the league. Mm. Um, I'm a massive fan of Easy. I think he's superb. We, mm. we've, we've raised question marks about their defence, um, but they're another team who, who you just cannot see them pushing their way into the into the top eight, top ten. But on their day, they can beat any team. So it's, it's hard to really place them anywhere but mid table. Yeah, and they are to me. They are a true team in the in the, in the very positive sense of the word. Um, that they've they've added individuals and they have key players of course Easy and Freeman who are already there and a fantastic trio of loan signings uh, Hemed 
who contributed straight away. Wells, who's starting to contribute a bit more now. Uh, and Jeff Cameron, who's just been absolutely massive for them in midfield. But uh, as you say, I do find it hard to imagine them truly smashing their way up in, into a playoff battle. I think it's more likely that they'll settle around mid-table. We've got them here, here in 14th. Uh, it seems unlikely that they'll be adding too much in January, won't it? And I think that generally they'll be just thrilled um, to have improved so much as a team to be able to have some stability off the field now with the FFP sanction having been um, sort of sorted to an extent and to be able to move forward as a club. I think that's, uh, you know, that, that's, that's no small achievement for them uh, and a fantastic job that Steve McLaren's doing. Uh, I would note that in the last few weeks they've, They've suffered injuries at the back. They've had Darnell Furlong playing centre-back, Jordan Cousins playing right-back in the last game or two uh, and still doing very, very well. And that speaks to what I was saying earlier about them truly being a team and, and being able to cope with that sort of thing uh, is, is very, very impressive. Um, 13th, Preston, being low, moving up the table. <laughs> we think they're going to move up a, a little bit more and ultimately find their place around mid-table. Yeah, ever since I wrote off Alex Neal and said that he was done at Preston, it's been all good news for them. Did um, you say that? Well, no, I just said that it was... You said beware because in previous times when things weren't going well at Norwich, he didn't seem to turn it around. Yeah. And that was he, true. And he turned it around, um, which yeah. is great. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're another team who, who I think on their day could be a lot higher than this, but... Well, I mean, they finished seventh or eighth last season, so yeah. Exactly. But then you look at a couple of performances recently. Um, the loss to Sheffield Wednesday uh, yesterday was obviously a poor. They were down to men early doors. And the 3-0 away defeat at Birmingham as well, you look at as being a bit troublesome. So, yeah, as I say, I, th- I think on their day, they're very good. Alan Brown's a player that I'm a massive fan of. Um, but at the same time, there are, there are too many question marks to see them turning this good streak into a promotion push. Too many question marks, too many other good teams, I think, is a problem. Or not necessarily good teams, but other competitive teams, other teams who are also vying for that sort of thing. We've got Swansea in 12th. And this is just absolutely perfect. They are bang in the middle of the table they are a team that has either won or lost in their last 12 or 13 games I think it is seven defeats and five wins uh, they refuse to draw games they don't know how to and they're that sort of team aren't they they're, we saw it against Hull uh, raced into the lead looked pretty comfortable in possession looked like they were dominating the game um, suddenly you know you take your eye off the game for 20 minutes and, they've, and they're 3-1 down uh, and that really sums them up and it's impossible to convincingly say that there can be any better really than 12 yeah and, and it, it is the biggest cliche but they're, they're very different to other Premier League teams who are going down where they are a work in progress um, their team has changed so much from, from the team that got relegated um, investment in a lot of youth players so and, and obviously an investment in a manager Graham Potter who's definitely there for the, for the long run not just for a short term fix so in that respect, I think that a mid-table finish is fine. These players, the likes of Roden and, um, and Selina, are going to improve the experience. And uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an all-new team. Purely mid-table as well in terms of the XG ratio. We, we use the Fox Punter XG ratings and their, their defence is almost identical to their attack. Uh, they truly are um, a very middling team and an entertaining one to follow in the sense that despite being middling, uh, they find a way to either win or lose every game. So uh, we, we've been, I, I think they've been a breath, breath of fresh air in many ways and Graham Potter, Potter is an uh, exceptional addition to this league. So Swansea in 12th, Bristol City in 11th, uh, as unpredictable, aren't they, as Swansea, Bristol City. They're, they're a team that I've just sworn off 
uh, even going near on the betting show, whether it's to, to back or to, to, to oppose. They're just uh, one of those teams, aren't they? You, you, you talk yourself into them, say they've got this young dynamic team, they've got a manager who has uh, done very well in spells to put together great winning streaks. Um, a, a team that never seemingly to me is dominated in any game, is always in the game, is always capable of creating chances and has decent defensive personnel. And yet, when you talk yourself into that, they'll go and chuck in a, a 2-0 home defeat. Uh, and when you go the other way and you say, oh, this team's too inconsistent for me, you can't trust them, uh, then they get some, some very good results like they have done recently against Norwich and Derby. So uh, we've got them 11th and that, that pretty much sums that up. Yeah, I think if, if we'd done this um, podcast a month ago, they'd have been a, a lot lower. Mm. But um, the current run of form is impressive. And uh, yeah, it's easy, easy to be positive, but at the same time, you can probably expect them to go on another poor run between now and the end of the season as well. We reached the top 10 now, and this is definitely a point, George, where when we were putting together the table, we started to, to struggle in the sense that we get to a, a selection of teams here between 10th and I think third, ultimately, seven teams for whom you can make a case for the playoffs and you can make a case for them not being good enough for, to be a playoff team. And I think, you know, choosing the top two is not necessarily fun, but I think it's easier than choosing playoff teams because you're essentially saying, we think these teams are all right. We don't think they're good enough to be top two. We don't think that they're going to, but we think they're just going to be that sort of 1.6 points per game. It's a, it's a strange thing to predict. And also, I think it's fair to say that we wouldn't be surprised if any of these teams in the top 10 um, work their way into the playoffs. Nice hedge. Nice yeah, hedge. Exactly. Anyway, so. 10th is Birmingham. You like Birmingham a lot. I do like Birmingham. I think they're in a bit of a false position as well. Um, at the beginning of the season, they drew a lot of games that they deserved to win. Um, they're a team that the data projected that, they, that the results would improve. And improve they did. So I think Gary Monk's doing a great job there. Um, they're very, very hard to beat. Their home record is really, really good. I was impressed by how they bounced back from the derby defeat against Villa. Um, so I think there's a lot to be excited about. Yeah, not least the, the best front two in the league in Djokovic and Adams. Is it, well, it's flippant, isn't it? Because there's not many teams that play a top two, uh, a front two, I should say. But those guys just continue to do bits. Djokovic's goals appear to have dried up to the naked eye, but he's still assisting every single game. Adams has picked up the scoring mantle. It's absolutely fantastic. And Birmingham are, are one of my favourite examples. And there are many more uh, sort of fashionable examples of how excellent this league is because we didn't expect too much from them. I think it's fair to say they couldn't sign anyone in the summer. Um, the player they did sign has caused so much trouble as to um, threaten a, <laughs> a points deduction for them from the EFL. So um, it's just amazing that, that, that Gary Monk has been able to come in, um, put in a style of play that is unbelievably um, efficient, effective, and they have been one of the one of my favourite teams, I think it's fair to say, this season, Birmingham. And you're absolutely right as well that the way they reacted to getting gubbed at, at Villa Park in the way that they did, conceding that goal from Alan Hutton, um, many teams would have you know, endured a tough few weeks after that. Uh, but not this Birmingham side. And I think there's so, so much to admire, so much to enjoy. Um, and we've only got them in 10th. So there you go. Um, Nottingham Forest are in 9th. And they've been a bit of a bit of a thorn in our side, haven't they, in many ways? Because we, we, we feel like sometimes we're missing something, given the messages that we've received over the last six weeks from fans. A lot of, you know, can we have a bit more credit? Can, and, and I think when we've discussed them, it's always been framed in, 
do we think these guys are challenging for the title? And, and maybe that's why it appears like we've been being negative. I don't think we do. I think they're, they're playoff contenders, but we, we have them just falling short. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I mean, But every time we talk about them, it's not meant to blow our own trumpet, but every time we get these messages saying, I'm hoping to get a bit more credit for Forrest, they draw at home or they lose at home. And it, it just seems like that that's a, a, a reason for it. There's a lack of consistency there. And we got a lot of messages from Forest fans after the five-all draw with Villa saying, you know, oh, how, how bad's our attack? Like, you know, mocking us for saying their attack was bad. They haven't scored in their last three games. Um, so reliant on the creativity of Jao Carvalho and, and Joe Lolly, who are two great players. And Lewis Graben's obviously a great goal scorer, but I still think just in the middle of the park, they're lacking some spark. Um, Guardiola is, is a decent player on his day. Um, but he's not going to be creating much from deep. Colback and Jakob seem to be yeah. a, a popular pairing at the moment. Well, exactly. And, and again, you can, you've said it yourself there. I, th- I think anyone who thinks that, that as, a, as a duo is going to be particularly um, creative is, is kidding themselves. So uh, I think the Karanka and the Karanka, they'll continue to pick up points. But mm. I'd be pretty surprised to see them in the playoff pitch at the end of the season. Let us know, Forest fans, what we're missing if you think we are. Um, I can understand that... that putting your team outside the playoffs might seem like a knock on them. Uh, surely no Forest fans can seriously think that they're an automatic promotion contender at this stage. Um, but let us know what we're missing because I think it's the, I mean, something we notice a lot from, from, from trying to do this um, and getting feedback from a lot of fans is that obviously fans are focused on their, their team and they're generally 90% of their thoughts, 90% of their analysis is on their team and so part of the reason why we have them outside the playoffs is not necessarily a knock on them it's the teams that we have above them exactly. it's the fact that we think there are a lot of teams who are gunning for it and it's very very difficult to to pick you know to find the the extra two three percent that's going to take teams above them but uh, this is who we've got above nottingham forest in eighth still missing out on the playoffs but slowly slowly and i mean that slowly improving is stoke city uh they just they <laughs> I'm still not having them as a proper, proper team. And I'm still not enjoying their performances. <laughs> a proper team. I'm still not enjoying watching them. I'm still not really enjoying their performances. And yet you cannot argue with their slow rise up the table. Yeah, they're not great. Uh, we, we obviously had them winning the league in our pre-season predictions. Um, so those people who listen to the podcast who, who think that we stick to our guns too much um, I'm, I'm sure we'll be happy to, to see we're kind of swallowing our words a bit here <laughs> we'd be absolutely mad to have them first mate yeah exactly um, but you know the, the results are improving they're, they're turning into a, a, a Gary Rowett team where um, they're never going to be particularly impressive to, to watch and uh, you know Birmingham fans will, will tell you the same about their, their Rowett team Derby the same but previously in the season they just weren't picking up points and now they are so um It'll be interesting to see if they can convert that into a promotion push. Uh, I'm not convinced myself, but given the quality they've got in the squad and probably the investment that they'll, they'll go again with in January, um, it, I think it's hard to now see them outside the top 10. Narrative's an interesting thing, isn't it? And I, I'm very much speaking aloud as we go, but it's interesting to me just uh, looking inwards at ourselves that we talk so positively about Birmingham in 10th and not that positively about Nottingham Forest and Stoke in, in ninth and eighth above them. Presumably that's due to expectations, due to the narratives and the expectations we had in pre-season. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I think that's exactly right. Um, and now 
you've got to wonder if the players that we thought were, were too good for the league actually are mm. um, and, and it's difficult to say so I mean I, I went to go and see them against QPR and, and the players who you thought were quality didn't really stand out mm. and um, so yeah it's, it's hard to be too positive Sheffield United in seventh just missing out again maybe well I was going to say it's difficult to take for fans but I've seen certainly from the ones that that we follow on Twitter that over the last few weeks there has been a a bit of a recalculating of their expectations and that's again only because of their exceptional start I suppose um, we've got them in 7th uh, we had them in 10th pre-season so it would represent an improvement on what we expected but again it, it feels hard to say given that they were one of the teams at the very top of the league um, you know at the start of the season and, and that sticks fresh in your mind doesn't it but you have to you know, you have to recalculate. You have yeah, to be. You do, but at the same time, you can't fall into the trap of thinking that a couple of bad results is the end of the world. I mean, they're still a very good team. Chris Wilder's a very good manager. Um, I think if you'd have told us when they were one up against West Brom and, and kind of dominating the game that they were going to get one point from those two games, mm. um, it would have been a bit of a shock. And they were unlucky not to beat Ipswich. Um, Chris Wilder said a lot in the press. He's played down expectations even when they were flying high. So there's not going to be a panic here at all. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see them push into the playoffs Chris Wilder absolutely loves a January signing and I'm, I'm sure he'll do that again into the market in, in Jan uh, normally it's not too successful so <laughs> yeah. it'll be interesting to see how it goes very uh, few managers have a better summer signing record and a worse January signing record uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a fascination um, of Chris Wilder um, my interest with Sheffield United also stems from their style of play something that we've praised and will continue to do so um, over the years something that's helped them to uh, play better play better than the sum of their parts I suppose over the last 18 months but there comes a time after 18 months where you have to wonder whether teams have enough um, sort of data in the bank knowledge in the bank to be able to make some adaptations when they come up against Sheffield United to be able to find ways to close down the spaces uh, that were previously being given and, and to slightly blunt uh, the, the system uh, which was such a, you know, Sheffield United's attack was the system. That was the strength of uh, the team, really. And you see it uh, down at the bottom half of the table with Millwall, who are struggling to adapt now that the league has got a bit more savvy. Um, and that's that's fascinating how people adapt as they go, because, it, you know, it can be hard when things are working, when things work well. You have to think, why would I change it? You know, we're still dominating. But perhaps there'll be a time where Sheffield United need to try and find another way. Uh, and that might come down to some January signings. We've got them just outside the playoffs, which means from now we have a top six. And in sixth place is Derby. They're a team which is a continued theme, which is probably not ideal given that we are quote-unquote EFL experts that I find very hard to place definitively at this halfway stage of the season. A team that is good, but how good? I mean, they're as good as their quality players, if that makes sense. Um, I think Harry Wilson and Mason Mount have shown that on their day, they're probably two of the best players in the league. Their day isn't every game. Um, they do go missing sometimes. And uh, I, they're really hard to, to make a kind of... A fist of. Yeah, exactly. Because their, their performances aren't very good. Um, they're not amazing to watch either. But at the same time, they consistently pick up points. They're currently in fifth in the table. Um, I think they're quite good to watch. Yeah? Yeah, I think they're quite good to watch. Because they've got a nice mix of 
of ball players like Huddles. Huddleston's just a Huddles. Huddle, that's what I, that's <laughs> that's what I call him when when I'm hanging out with him. Huddles. Yeah, me and Huddles. But I, um, I shouldn't call him that on the podcast. But uh, that's what me you know that's what he likes me to call him, uh, Tom Huddleston. But Tom. he's a lovely, lovely player. And then they've also got this great counter-attacking directness, pace out wide, and and just sensational technical ability as well. Definitely, so. no, I completely agree with that. And if you add Tom Lawrence to the mix as well, I mean, in those three players, they've got three mm. superb ball players. But he frustrates me, Tom Lawrence. The, he really does. But, I mean, the retention of the ball is very deep. Um, they don't dominate games the way you'd expect them to with those players. Mm. But they've done um, better, I think. Not on the counter, yeah, dominating. Yeah, games, yeah, yeah. And that's that's fair enough. Which is fine too, of course. A good side. A we good we have side. them in the playoffs, so yeah. yeah, we do. We do. Interestingly, Derby. Data-wise, looking at the Fox Punter XG ratings, not particularly special. A decent defence um, and a, a, an attack which is running hot, which you know is not that surprising when you think of when you think of Derby, when you think of the goals they've scored this season. The first thing that springs to mind is Harry Wilson from from dead balls. Harry Wilson from the edge. So, it'll be very interesting to see if that can continue. Um, and Frank Lampard's first season in management, I think you have to say, has, has been good. It's been a good start. Uh, and we expect with the quality that they have that they will continue to linger in the playoff places we've got them in sixth heading to a playoff in May which is uh, incredibly exciting I'm already getting excited about the playoffs in all three divisions Uh, we've got Aston Villa above them George and it wasn't long ago that you picked them out as a value bet uh, to to win the whole thing and each way win bet Um, fifth represents I suppose an admission, especially after a home defeat against Leeds today, uh, that that might be a step too far. But, yeah. that, but you know, but that this is still a team that we're looking out for in the second half of the season. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you kind of nailed it there. Um, I think they're, they're one of the best teams in the league um, since Dean Smith's come in. They've improved. Uh, they missed Jack Grealish in the Leeds game. It was, they, they took basically they took the lead too early there and um, dropped very deep early on and were unable to to keep out what's a, what is a very good Leeds team. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't rule them out of the promotion race automatically. Mm. I know they're a long way behind, but I do think that they're going to win a lot of games in, in the next couple of months. Um, I'd be shocked if they don't make the top six. Uh, the quality they've got at their disposal is, is really good and we're seeing a manager who can get the most out of them. I think the, the main concern, isn't it, is, uh, and it played out today, James Bree playing at centre-back, not ideal, and all it takes for them is one small injury Twanzebe in this case Chester it could be being out and, and suddenly the drop off is huge I think one of the things that we talked about before when we were putting together the table when we were discussing that fear is that we've seen them already sign a goalkeeper Croatian international uh, who comes with glowing reputation from Belgium who will join for January who will replace Nyland, who will be their number one something that their fans desperately thought that they, they needed in order to take it to the next level so I think, you know, you can be confident given that early um, indication in the transfer market that they will also bolster their defensive ranks, whether that's another low knee from the Premier League. And, and Lord knows there are plenty uh, waiting to drop down and, and get some game time in the second half of the season, or whether it's someone more permanent. I think we can be fairly confident that they will address that, uh, that issue, which is something that Steve Bruce didn't seem to do. Lord knows. Lord knows. Yeah, that's what you said there. That's, good, that is yeah. that, that's a good phrase. Yeah, it's nice. I like it. Yeah, thanks. Uh, but I've been working on my phrases. Um, be great to hear from anyone. <laughs> be great to hear from anyone driving home for Christmas right now, listening to these podcasts yeah. on uh, on Christmas Eve or even on Christmas morning. 
Uh, I've got my own drive to Hereford, which is going to be a long drive. And I don't like to listen to ourselves back. I feel like that's a bit weird in the car on my own. So I'm not going to be able to do that. Um, but it's nice to know that someone else in my position could have approx three hours of NTT20 to listen to on their way to Hereford. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing a match report from Hereford Kidderminster on Boxing Day. I'm, I'm genuinely buzzing for it. Yeah, really, really <laughs> excited. Did you know that there's a player we've mentioned on the podcast uh, so far on this podcast who signed for their current club from Hereford? Jared Bowen. Signed, nice. Signed for Hull from Hereford. That's go. good. I've been, I've been He's to, from Lemster. I've been to Hereford uh, before. We beat them 2-0. Ed- Edgar Street. Yeah. Nice. They're, they're a Phoenix good. club, aren't they? They've risen from the ashes. Yeah, indeed. A lot of yeah. promotions. I think they're in the National League North at the moment. Nice. Mm. Fingers crossed they get back, in, back into the AFL. That would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, looks like we might get Leighton Orient next year. Which is very exciting. Back. And, and a new my, team in Salford, maybe, my, as well. my best friend. Boo. Plays Leighton Orient. George Ellicobi. Yeah. Gosh, that was good, wasn't it? If you haven't seen George's video with George Ellicobi, <laughs> head to Twitter. Uh, it's it's absolutely amazing. The look on his face when you say, my parents named me after you, um, even though it wasn't true, I'll never. you'll never take that look away from me. Absolutely incredible. We're into the top four now, guys. Uh, we've got Middlesbrough in fourth. Now, this was one that we had to really, really, really debate because this was the one where we said, okay... How much are we reacting to the last four weeks? And we had to say, try not to overdo it. Try not to overdo reaction to the last four weeks. It's fair to say that Borough haven't had a a great four weeks, but a win against Reading, a clean sheet, maybe back to normal now. I mean, the reports from that game um, were that Borough were fairly poor. Mm. You've got to be concerned. How many games have Borough won this season where there have been reports that yeah, they are yeah, absolutely course, brilliant? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's a reliance on, on their defensive shape. Well, there's a real bitterness when you lose to Borough as well. Fans of opposition teams will always say, I can't believe they can play like that. I'd hate it if I was a fan. You know, there's a bit of bitterness there sometimes. Yeah, I mean, Reading and Millwall have both scored more goals than Borough this season. Um, which is quite something. So that just shows you how important... Look at you with the stats, mate. That's normally my job. Yeah. Nice. Might need to be head of analysis. That so, is a good yeah. stat, though. Um, so Millwall... Yeah. Millwall have scored more goals than Borough. Borough, exactly. Yeah, remarkable stat. So we've pointed out some negatives, but we've got them in fourth, George. So I need to ask you, why have we got them in fourth? Why do we have them um, bolstering and maintaining their playoff credentials when... They're struggling to score. Uh, what is it then? Why? I think the manager's huge. The quality um, of the team is huge. We'd be wrong to fall into the trap of looking at their current form as, as anything more than probably a blip. Um, I, I'm still confident that come the end of the season, they'll concede fewer goals than, than probably every, every other team in the league. Mm. And if you look, you know, if you look at previous seasons, teams who concede few goals generally pick up quite a few points still only 16 conceded from 23 league games lord knows George there have been other teams (laughs) who have suffered blips this season so try not to overreact to that we've got Borough in fourth place I would imagine I would hope that there's still a little bit of transfer budget for Tony Pulis to use in January if he needs to if he wants to if the board allow him to now whether giving Tony Pulis a lot of transfer. Tony Pulis. Tony Pulis. <laughs> Whether giving him uh, a large amount of money to spend <laughs> in January is a good idea is the next question, but not for me to say at this juncture. Into the top three. 
goodness me, this is getting exciting. I feel like, George, when we did our pre-season predictions, uh, you often get people say, you're only making these crazy calls because uh, you want to be controversial and you want like clicks. It's clickbait or that sort of thing. <laughs> As if we would ever delve into the realms of clickbait. Um, but this proves that we're not looking for clickbait because in third, West Bromwich Albion, which means for the eagle-eared listeners, we have got the same top two. We're not predicting crazy changes from here on out. No. Um, I mean, I think it's a bit easier mid- midway through the season to, uh, to make less bold choices. But uh, I mean, West Brom are a team that I'm very confused by, if I'm honest. Um, for whatever reason, I, I just cannot get convinced that they're the real deal. But you know, the, the Rotherham 4-0 um, is a result that people who don't pay much attention will look at and just see another dominating win from West Brom. By all accounts, they weren't dominant. Um, they, they conceded a lot, a lot of chances to Rotherham and, and were clinical in finishing off theirs. So, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't think this West Brom team would, would get close to third position in the last couple of seasons. I think it's quite a weak renewal uh, of the championship. Um, but given the quality they've got going forward, um, Dwight Gale back fit as well is so important. It's hard to see them not scoring the goals to propel them or just to maintain their position. Um, they've lost a bit of ground on the current current top two. I, I don't think that they will make that back. Um, but it's impossible to see them outside, you know, outside the top three or four. They've kept two clean sheets this season. One of them was in their last game against Rotherham, a game in which Rotherham missed a penalty. So not necessarily doing their utmost to to keep a clean sheet. And I think consensus would was that if Rotherham had scored, that would have been a, a very much a fair outcome from that game. So. Clearly, that side of the pitch, still huge improvements to be made. They've also scored 50 goals in the league. Now, Luton are the second highest scorers in the EFL with 45. So there's still a five-goal po- five difference between the top goal scorers in West Brom and the next best in the whole of the 72. So that's why they're a confusing team, George, because you very rarely get teams with these extremes. They have kept two clean sheets in 23. And they, but they're scoring over two goals a game. It's just, it's like you know, two one three one is is their average score, and that is a confusing thing. It's not something you see very often. And there have to be question marks as to whether it's sustainable as well. Um, if you're looking at the other, the other games, Sheffield United, they were under the cosh at one 0 down, but managed to turn it around and get the win. Um, it's bizarre for you and I to be sitting here talking about a team we're predicting coming third, and, and we're not being very complimentary. Well, yeah, this is this is what I find fascinating about. This whole thing that we do, George, is that this this happens every now and again, doesn't it? And it, you've got my name there, didn't you? Yeah, and it, but it stems from it stems from what you expect. It stems from the squad at, at the manager's. Um, what's the word? It uh, <laughs> it stems from the squad at the manager's disposal. Yeah, and it stems from the amount of of ten million pound players they have in their team. It, it stems from the amount of Premier League players or players that we consider to be Premier League players in a certain squad. That's why you can have a team in third and still be seeming quite negative about them. The two teams above them, Norwich and Leeds, they've built their teams generally through clever recruitment through while they've been a championship club without using the Premier League money necessarily. So, you know, I think it would be it would be crazy for us to just be like, this is good, this is bad. Um, I think there's got to be a suggestion of nuance in yeah. and around there and I think that's where our tens of listeners uh, quite rate our analysis <laughs> so we're in the top two now 
and uh, it's the current top two. Sorry, if you guys were looking for clickbait, well, you're 52 minutes in, you've not found it, have you? Second, Norwich City. It's impossible not to be impressed with Norwich now. Um, we, we've tried our hardest over the past couple of months to say that eventually they're going to stutter. It doesn't look like that's the case. I think they're, they're the real deal. Um, it shouldn't be a massive shock given, you know, I, I had high hopes for them last season mm. um, to do one, and they didn't. With a very similar squad, they've added the smattering of, of academy graduates um, and they're, they're, it's hard to Sprinkling. quantify why I want because I, I don't want to talk about their spirit because I don't really believe in that stuff but there comes a time where their, their ability to get results over the line has to be commended you but, don't whether, believe in the psychological side of the game I do believe in the psychological side of the game but I don't think you, you talk about teams having like passion and stuff it's a bit like you know I think spirit and passion I think there's a clear difference between the two fine Okay, well, I mean, with them, I, I think it's probably possibly a fitness um, benefit they have where they score goals late in games to win them to pick up points. I'm, I'm being a bit of a, I'm being a bit flippant towards bit, you. Bit there of, are passionate bit, teams bit who are good. There are passionate teams who are bad. There are also spirited teams who are good and spirited teams who are bad. Thanks for that. But of know. course, <laughs> you know, of course, the majority of good teams. They show the sort of qualities that, that Norwich show late in games, that show the type of qualities that Norwich show in tight games. And that's really what we're talking about, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That, that, because there are a lot of tight games in this There league. are a lot of tight games. And but, I mean, I said in FM Matters three months ago that they couldn't keep winning games 1-0, Timo Puki. And what do they do again on Saturday? Another one. Like, it's, 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 it's relentless. And they're riding you know, the crest of a wave that's going to put them in an unbelievable position to go and get promotion. Um, whether or not that lasts the whole season I'm not sure but right now they're, they're putting you know they're on 45 points they, they don't need many more to, to, to secure promotion from now to the end of the season correct correct they seem to to keep rolling Norwich um, and and a positive as well when you think can they keep it going it's just the amount of contributors uh, of course Pookie gets the headlines he's the one on the end of the chances but his winning goal on the weekend uh, was a fantastic example of, of how many contributors they have. Uh, Marco Vrancic missed the first part of the season through injury. He's one of a, uh, a selection of, of attack-minded, creative midfield players that they can call on at any given time. And he showed quality far beyond the championship to play in Onil Hernandez, himself a contributor at the start of the season, and then someone who missed a bit of time through injury while other uh, wide men uh, enjoyed a bit of game time. Hernandez making the run, making the ball across and Puki there to finish. So um, apart from at the back where I think uh, uh, an injury at centre-back, a long-term injury to Klose or Zimmerman could have a huge impact and could be very, very damaging. Uh, of course, you can say that about every team. So it's no, no reason to drop any team in your rankings. But that would be my major fear for, for Norwich. Apart from that, I think they can deal with injuries elsewhere, uh, generally, more, maybe more so than other teams. So uh, we've got Norwich automatically promoted in second spot, which is where they are at the moment, uh, which means they will be the bridesmaids to the bride, the beautiful bride that is Marcelo Bielsa, manager of Sky Sports Leeds. <laughs> Uh, which is a shock given that we uh, obviously have a massive agenda against Leeds oh, and, yeah. and all Northern teams. I hate him. Um, yeah. I absolutely hate him. No, it, it, I think we'd have had Leeds top even if they hadn't made their comeback this afternoon um, against yes. Villa. Um, they are very impressive. I mean, there, there have to be concerns about um, the injury issues they've, they've already had this season um, and the, you know, the, the effect that'll take on the players in the squad. But 
it doesn't really seem to matter who plays. It, it's, it's just, it's the system over personnel and it's so good and it's so effective and they're mm. all so well drilled. I mean, it's, he's done an unbelievable job there and um, and I think that win today at Villa Park is, is just really sealed um, and cast out any doubters about their, their position at the top of the league. I feel like when, when you say early on there have to be concerns, I feel like there'll be people sort of furrowing their brows and saying, hold on, no, why are you instantly going like that? But you'd say the same about any team. You know, we're putting them first so, so it, would be, it would be silly not to address any reservations and go all in on them. I'm trying to remember whether this time last year we would have said the same about Wolves. We probably would have, wouldn't we? I don't know what they would have been. But I'm sure there might have been one or two, maybe not. Well, but, no, I, I think, I mean, the thing with Leeds is that there, there's already evidence about injuries this season. There's evidence in Bielsa's past that, you know, his, his teams, his players um, struggle for fitness. So, you know, I'd be, I'd be amazed if any Leeds fans have an issue with us expressing concern that could happen again. But uh, in terms of, of, of what we see on the pitch every week, um, as I said, they seem to have injuries. Even today, um, Barry Douglas injured in the warm-up didn't matter um, they brought in a, a young left back who I, I think had never played never started a league game before and it, w- it wasn't a massive issue so um, very good Scott, very well drilled yeah they're, they're just very good <laughs> very good in defence uh, they've, they've, they've conceded the second fewest goals in the league behind Middlesbrough uh, they've won seven of their last eight games they, they, they know how to win and that is such a key thing um, Norwich appear to have that characteristic as well West Brom perhaps starting to, to really become that sort of side and, and no one else at this stage uh, of, the, of the season. Can you truly say that about um, they've beaten yeah, seven of their last eight opposition apart from that, that one major, major failing, I suppose, against, um, against West Brom. They've beaten some good teams. They've beaten some bad teams. Uh, they've shown character. What I love about Bielsa is, is the changes that he'll make at halftime when the game is level or when they're losing. Um, the system never deviates too much from the norm but the personnel can change uh, the positioning can change and it can have a huge impact in the game and the way that he's managing Jack Clark at the minute who keeps coming on uh, in the 45th minute uh, and and making a difference as he did against Villa today is is hugely, hugely impressive there might be people who say well, he should be starting games but I think that would be slightly missing the point this is a man who is using his squad a man who is struggling to keep a lot of his squad uh, fit and available uh, and yet still doing very, very well. Uh, whoever he has available, the team, the squad are doing well. So Leeds United, top champions, promoted to the Premier League. We've been doing the podcast for almost three years now and that it's it seems strange to say out loud. And again, that's not part of any sort of agenda. Uh, it, it, you know, it's just, we've got a body of, we've got a body of work. We've got a body of, football to go with and, and it seems amazing to say it we'll be sad not to uh, speak about Leeds next season if, we, if we're right but um, as you know fans of the EFL I think we can all agree that Leeds probably deserve to be a Premier League team and um, Marcelo Bielsa is building something very special there so it'll be interesting to see if they can secure promotion and how they get on next season as well hope you've enjoyed this 1-24 to redraw of the championship our predictions for what the final league table will look like just to recap in full Leeds champions Norwich automatically promoted in second a playoff battle between West Brom Middlesbrough Aston Villa and Derby County below them Sheffield United Stoke Nottingham Forest and Birmingham round out the top 10 Bristol City in 11th Swansea 12th Preston, QPR, Blackburn, Brentford, Wigan. 
Then we get to Hull in 18th, Rotherham 19th, Millwall 20th and Sheffield Wednesday 21st. And in the bottom three, Reading, Ipswich and Bolton. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you had, we're doing the same for League One and League Two. Join us as we slowly deteriorate as this NTT20 Christmas party gets loose, gets out of control. Thanks very much for joining us all year and hope you have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas.